Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Nat Jurek and with me, I'll be joined by Ben Scott and Jason Galea. STC Fit are a group of coaches who provide premium coaching and education services to high achieving women who want to ditch the frustration and achieve the results they want when they want. On the podcast, we'll be discussing all things related to our five-step method to experiencing total clarity in knowing how to achieve your goals, present and future. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit for all your online and personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a share and tag at Nat Jurek STC Fit, at Ben Scott STC and at Jason Galea underscore STC. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the SCC Fit Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Ruby. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. For the guys at home, we've just had like some time difference difficulties. So this almost didn't go ahead, but we managed to make it work. So I wanted to get Ruby onto the podcast, mainly because I see your posts shared so widely with my community. And I know that there's probably going to be a whole bunch of value that comes out of this conversation, specifically talking about probably nutrition um, for the most part. It's probably where I see, um, I guess, like your message be shared uh, be shared across the socials primarily. But before yeah. we get into that, I guess I just wanted to know a little bit about you. Tell us about who you are, what you do, who you work with um, over the years and, and what that sort of looks like for you. Yeah, no worries. So it's funny because I do predominantly like talk about nutrition. Obviously my business is called Eat Like Ruby, um, but I've actually been a personal trainer for 14 years and a nutritionist for like three years. Yeah. When I saw on your, um, on your bio, I saw like PT and I was like, oh, I didn't know that because everything is just nutrition based at the moment. I know. And like, I, I definitely love nutrition more. Like I was always just interested in it. Um, and just got into the PT thing really early because it was quite easy to do so. Um, But I've always been so interested in nutrition. So over the years, I've gone more in that direction. So I still do training. I actually work in a gym still, and I still do online training as well. But um, I think people just kind of know me as like the nutrition girl. Yeah, well, it's the name as well, Eat Like Ruby. Yeah. It's not train like Ruby, so... Yeah. <laughs> what sort of made you go down the nutrition path opposed to the training, especially like getting into training a lot earlier? Like where did you see a gap like in knowledge or in the industry? What sort of got you changing direction? Yeah, I think for sure like I was always in gyms and just around that scene and there was just so much crazy information. There still is. Yeah. Um, I think like people like us kind of, we surround ourselves with people that believe the same information and stuff as us, but then you might like go into a gym or something and you still can hear the craziest nutrition theories and diets and whatever. So I would always just hear things like that in the gym and just, and hear people just struggling mm. so much and you like when you've got that education and knowledge, whether it's an actual education or you just have looked into it enough yourself, you just realize like, oh my God, you really don't have to be struggling so much with this. Like it's almost sad when you see, you know, just people so lost with it. 
And that was, um, that's pretty much how like my whole social media and everything started. It was almost just like an outlet for me. Like mm-hmm. you would hear people talk about things and I'd be like, oh my God, you are so wrong. Like not in a rude way, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I wish you knew how how wrong that is. And so it just sort of became somewhere where I would just put my info that I knew and then it just took off from there. Yeah, I think like something that we say inside of our team is like when it comes to talking about nutrition or like presenting on the topic, we're always like, Ugh. like it's not that interesting because once you know it, like it's pretty basic, like you know it kind of for good. Um, and it, it is like one of those things that like you kind of, you don't unlearn, um, which again yeah. is kind of like, we obviously adopt the same mentality where it's like once you know this sort of stuff kind of sets foundation for all your decisions down the track but when you don't know that stuff it's like the fucking wild west out there like you know you don't know what you're gonna find it's pretty crazy yeah and like you we talk about things so often that it just becomes second nature to us and sometimes I'll think to myself like no one, no one's doing cheat meals anymore. No one's like clean eating anymore. But then you're like, yeah, they really are. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've thought like, you know, I think things are changing. Like I think things are getting progressively better. And then you step outside of your circle. Like you said, like we talk about this stuff all the time. And then you step outside your circle and you're like, no, no, (laughs) it's still the same. I'm just not exposed to it. So again, it's like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I wanted to sort of talk about, I guess, like some of the common obstacles that you see with your clientele when it comes to, you know, working around nutrition. Um, What are some of the, I guess, the barriers that you find most of your clients have? And I'm going to assume that it's quite similar to the ones that, you know, our clients have as well and our demographic. Yeah, I think definitely when they come to me, it's always just the straight up good and bad food mentality. Um, when people fill in startup forms, I mean, I have seen it all on startup forms, but it's always this common theme of like, I try to be good. I'm always bad on the weekends, or I try not to eat bad things, or I do eat X, Y, Z. And I know that's bad. It's just like, when you sort of go through a whole form, you'll just see the words good and bad so many times. And like my instant thought with that is just like, why do you think that that is good? Or why do you think that that is bad? And if you really get into that convo with a lot of people, they can't really answer it. And that's, you know, no fault of theirs. It's just what they've been led to believe over the years. But that's what I see so often is just people like beating themselves up over failing, you know, on the things that they believe in, but they don't even really know why they believe in them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely the biggest thing I see, um, with new clients and then like always just the hesitation to eat more, um, you know, to feel like they can eat higher calorie or they can have phases of not focusing on fat loss. Like I think everyone or females, especially like I work with females are just so used to working towards fat loss or being on a diet that when you like pose that option of like, what if we don't work on fat loss for a while? They're like, what? Yeah. Why why would I have a nutrition coach and not work on fat loss? Like what? Yeah. 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 So those, those are the things for sure. Yeah. I like laughed to myself when you said that. Cause like, as I'm reading the topics and the questions and stuff, like they're literally in order of like what I've put down is like, food VR and good and bad food and like not wanting to break that diet cycle. So like it's a hundred percent, you know, exactly what we see um, with our clients. So how do you sort of go about 
almost healing that um, that mindset and I guess like moving through that thought process of like I can't have that or if I have X like that's going to be the reason that I get fat and I'm going to restrict all my food and I guess just like changing the narrative around the beliefs that we hold around nutrition how do you sort of manage that um, throughout that coaching process yeah I always give my clients a weekly meal plan and I try and mix it up with just really basic foods. Um, But I will always just try and factor in something, even if it's just like an ice cream at night or um, I don't even know what else I put in there. Just little things that people would consider to be bad and still give them like a really good quality day of eating, but then be like, it's okay if there's Nutella on your toast instead of peanut butter or, you know, just little things like that where I can just say like, I am the qualified person that you've come to for help and I'm, I'm putting these things in your plan. Yeah. So I think when people get that initial plan, they're like, what? Like there's an ice cream or whatever. And then I always bring it back. If there's like you, some people are like, hell yeah, I'll go for that straight away. But you do get that pushback from people. And I always just kind of put it on people and say like, you have believed, you know, X, Y, Z, and you've tried to implement that. How has that worked out for you? Like, obviously it's not great or there is an issue because you wouldn't have reached out for further help. So at some point we have to say, you know, I do have these beliefs and this is what I'm implementing and it's not getting me where I want to get to. So you've got to be open to something else. Yeah. And I think too, I think it does help because, I clearly eat those foods like on my social media Mm. and stuff. So they see that so often. So it's not sort of like telling you to do one thing, but I'm doing something else. Um, Like I say to them all the time, just take a look at what I'm eating. Like, and it's not all, you know, your typical bad foods, but there's definitely just a big mix in there. And I think that's what people lack is they're either very on or they're very off. So it's, a really good, you know, in quotations, good, clean diet um, some of the time. And then it's very off, like that's gone out the window and they disregard all, you know, health factors and just go for it on the other foods. So I think just showing that there is such a big middle ground, I think people think it's just one end or the other. And if you can just show, well, we can have a little bit of this stuff and we can have a little bit of this stuff and combined that can make a really good quality day in terms of health, but also a really enjoyable day for you. So I think, yeah, that's normally how I try and approach that. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that you mentioned, um, and I guess I kind of like, I want to open this can of worms because it does get a bad rap um, on the socials is the whole idea of a meal plan and almost being, you know, pigeonholed into certain foods. And like, I've been guilty of, of ratting out on them, I do think that with all things, there's good and there's bad. So I'd be curious to know what your process is around making that a positive experience for the client because, yeah, like I said, you know, I've I've said it before and um, my view on that is changing as I kind of see things differently and obviously different things work for different people. Yeah, a lot of the clients that I've worked with have tried meal plans in in the past and have potentially had negative experiences. So... I would love to know like what makes it a positive experience for your clients and how have you been able to be successful around managing that? Yeah, no worries. So it's actually, it's funny that you asked that because it's actually something that I've only bought in, in probably the last three months. Um, And I just found, so when my clients start up, they would always get an initial meal plan 
Um, and then they would get like, I've got guides to flexible dieting and guides to, you know, eating out and all different things that I send them over time. Um, but I just found when people, some people would take that initial meal plan, take the guide to tracking their food and just run with the whole thing. Um, but then other people were just so lost. Like if I, if they wanted to stray from that plan, I think, sometimes we can forget if we say to someone like, Oh, if you don't want chicken, just have another sort of protein. And people are like, well, what's a protein? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's taking that for granted, that knowledge and that education. Yeah. And we forget that it's so second nature to us, but to other people, they're like, what? Mm. And it's funny. Like I was talking to another coach the other day and I've had people say, Oh, so a hundred grams of chicken is a hundred grams of protein. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, no, but also I can absolutely understand why you would think that. Yeah, like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I bought in the weekly meal plans recently just to um, give them something to follow. And I think a lot of my girls follow them during the week and then mix it up on the weekends. Or I say to them, like log it in your, however you track your food or whatever you do with your food, log it, and then you can tweak it from there. So you might follow it for three days and then think, okay, it's time for a different lunch take that lunch out, sub something else in, but you've got that good foundation. I think I trialed it with a few clients and got a really positive response. And I think it just really bridged that gap, especially for unexperienced or new people where we would just say, okay, here's one plan. And when you're sick of that plan, your own days. Yeah. And I would just see like all sorts of, like they send me their um, sort of weekly summary of my fitness pal and I would just see days up and down and all over the place. And it's like, you're really lacking the ability to get consistency. And I think that's just coming back to not knowing where to start. Like, okay, if I'm going to plan my day, where do I even start with this? And so that's why I brought that in and just was like, well, here's where you start. And then you, you've got the option to completely tweak it from there. You've got the option to completely ditch it on days you want to and plan your own. You've got, you can ditch it on days and have untracked days Mm. if that's what we're working on. But here is something, if you don't have time, energy, whatever, to sit down and nut it all out yourself, here is something that you can follow. And I think too, that helped people see the different foods that they can eat. We don't have to have meat and veg every night. Like I will always work in heaps of veg, heaps of fruit, all that sort of stuff. Um, but then be like, okay, this week we're going to have tacos or spaghetti bolognese or whatever. And we've still ticked all the boxes, but we're not just in those, you know, meat and veg, salad, protein shake, yeah. like only those foods. Yeah. Yeah. I think like with most approaches to nutrition, it kind of sounds like anything dogmatic is kind of going to have that negative impact on someone. Um, So it kind of sounds like it's just a little bit more flexible and it kind of puts the ball in the client's court as well in terms of being able to make changes and manipulate things and have that background education to support them in terms of making decisions around, you know, their nutrition on a day-to-day basis. And then, of course, having support um, from an education standpoint to be able to do that long term. Yeah. And one thing I have on them as well, so they get the whole plan and it'll be, you know, two pieces of toast, two eggs, whatever. And then next to that, I have a column that says why it's great. And it'll just say wholemeal bread is good because it provides us with fiber, et cetera. Eggs are good for X, Y, Z. And they can really start to see why it's good to include foods. I think so many of us for years have been taught to avoid foods 
So I really wanted to like drum in on like, there's so many benefits, you know, people will avoid bread and they'll avoid dairy and they'll avoid all these things. And then obviously if there's a legitimate reason to do that medically or whatever, that's fine. But I wanted to just point out to people, there are great benefits to including these foods as well. So I would really point that out to them. Like, this is why we've got this in your day. And like that got a really positive response as well. Like clients were like, I love the why it's great column. Like that's really, I think really educational. It's not just here's a plan and follow it Mm. because I told you to. Um, I like to tell them why we're doing things and I never do like, I don't do one-off consults or meal plans for people. It's always part of ongoing coaching. So we can talk about learning to plan your own days, et cetera. Um, But I just found, yeah, it was really, it was just another educational thing for people really. Yeah. I quite like the idea of approaching any phase with your nutrition in general um, from that place of like, what can I add? to my diet opposed to like what can I what do I need to take away Uh, because I guess like especially when you go into a fat loss phase the first thing that everyone's going to think is like I can't have that got to cut that out can't have that dessert's gone like that's you know I'm left with nothing for the day Um, and I guess like even not even taking into account like you know highly palatable calorie dense foods but it's like what can I add and you know if you look at a variety of food groups it being whether it's bread, cereals, eggs, you know, fattier based foods, we can still incorporate all those things. And it almost makes you think that you're dieting with a whole lot more abundance than if you kind of just stick to like that plain Jane um, old style meal plan, I guess. And I'm such a big believer in, you know, taking those simple meals. Like you get people that try and just eat meat, rice and veg. And it's like sometimes something as simple as adding 80 calories worth of sauce can make that meal significantly more enjoyable. You're going to stick to that. You're going to look forward to it. You're not going to throw it in the bin and go and buy something else for lunch. Like just those little inclusions that people have been so scared to to add to their days, like we said, because it's all about taking things out. It's like adding 80 calories worth of sauce, like I said, can completely change you looking forward to that meal, consistently following your day, adhering to your day, and then not throwing it in the bin and going and getting a Big Mac. Mm. So I think, yeah, like just showing people just these simple little tweaks can really just improve how enjoyable the whole process is for you. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that like it is important to talk about compliance um, and adherence when we are talking about like enjoying our nutrition or, you know, enjoying the way that we're eating in a specific phase but I do think it's important to recognize that there's also like a line where it's like we can cross that line and kind of favor adherence in, in favor of, of progress, I guess. Um, and I think, I, yeah, I would be really curious to know what's your strategy around that? Because for a lot of people, it's like if I don't enjoy my diet, I don't stick to it. So how do we then create that balance where this person's still going to um, continue to make progress without almost prioritizing the enjoyment component of that diet. Like factoring too many enjoyable things? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's almost like a psychological thing as well. Like we talk about and something that I think, you know, flexible dieting and macro tracking and, you know, potentially meal plans I've seen it being done in the past um, can almost cross that line in terms of like you can eat all of this stuff and still lose weight. And it's like at some point it's like where do we draw the line on A, health and B, yeah. just you know, continuing to make decisions in alignment with our goal. 
Yeah, for sure. So on the, I feel like everything you're asking me just lines up. (laughs) (laughs) On the bottom of my meal plan, so they get the meal plan and then underneath it, I actually have the um, like Australian dietary guidelines of how many serves of everything we want to include. And then I have a little key next to the meal plan. So like if we want say two to three serves of fruit, I've got like little black emojis of fruit next to the meals. So it sort of shows like, these are all the things we want to be including every single day. And this is how we've included them in this plan. And then on our check-in as well, um, one of the first questions straight up is just, are you prioritizing food quality and including the following things each day? And it's just pretty much again, those guidelines, um, veggies, fruit, fiber, whole grains, calcium, and they just tick all that off. And I think when um, you put that, like we said, coming back to finding that balance, when you put those foods in with just little tweaks to make them a bit more enjoyable, people really are like, yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to eat, you know, yogurt and fruit if there's like a little something else on the side with that. Um, so yeah, like I definitely drum that into them as the main thing. And then it's just adding those little tweaks. And then we have to just obviously make it clear to people when there is a strict goal in mind, there's probably going to be less little fun foods and less little tweaks. And then when we take that strict focus away, we can work a few more in because we can include all those good foods still, but we have a little more to play with after that. So I think it's just. Yeah, again, and I think that's where ongoing coaching is so beneficial rather than, like we said, just a one-off plan, follow it and don't really learn how to, you know, go hard at times and pull back at times and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm going to assume you kind of adopt the same approach that we do when it comes to uh, the diet or setting up someone for a dieting process. So something that we do is get really clear and specific with timeframes. So like yeah. you kind of just said, it's like when we're going into this time frame of dieting, these are the expectations and fun food might come down a little bit. You might need to increase in more nutrient dense foods and voluminous foods, high satiety foods and whatnot to help you be successful with this phase. But if you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's like, I know that after this eight weeks, I don't need to eat low calories and I can come back up to maintenance, if not a surplus that enables more consistency and adherence. And it's one of the things that we say quite often is that we don't see it spoken about a lot in terms of phasing the diet and phasing these approaches when we work towards our goals. And I quite like that you've just mentioned it as well because it does seem to be quite a foreign concept to a lot of people. Yeah, and I think I really like that as well, like sort of putting a time frame in mind. And then you can say to people, like if they are sort of mentioning any struggles, you can just be like, we know this isn't forever. Like this is the trade-off to the goal for now. And you know that, you know, come next month or whenever we've decided things will change up. And I always say to people, like, we're not removing those foods forever. It's not like I can never have pizza again. It's just not the most optimal thing for me to have to dinner for dinner right now with my current goal. And so I think, yeah, it's important to reiterate to people that, like we don't take anything away forever. There's just optimal and not optimal for right now. Um, and then as we move through different phases, th- those things can change. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So I kind of want to move on to the flip side of that. I've spoken a little bit about dieting. So we, you kind of touched a little bit before on um, the pushback that you get when it's like, let's eat at maintenance or let's eat in a surplus. Like why the fuck would I hire someone to do that to me? So what 
does that typically look like for you? It's something that we've spoken about uh, quite a lot. Again, just with like the phasing the diet type thing. It's like if we want X, we need to do, you know, some time frame um, committing to this process for a little bit as well. So how do you go about moving women through that pushback or that resistance? Because you can totally see why. And like I've been there, I'm pretty sure you probably have as well, where you don't understand that process. So it is, you know, quite a daunting um, place to be. Yeah, for sure. I think I get a few clients that get quite open to it and keen from it, from seeing me do it myself. Um, So I made a real point of making that clear. Like when I've had phases of eating more and not working towards fat loss, I like to really show that and the benefits of it. So sometimes clients are all for it, but then when you get the ones that do push back, I think sometimes you do need to put it on them a little bit. And I, I've put it on my girls a lot over time. If they're Um, especially if they're wanting or, you know, wanting to go for fat loss and it's not really working, like there's a lack of adherence, consistency or whatever, I will just straight up say to them, like normally when we're in a deficit, there's not too many positive outcomes to a deficit besides fat loss and body composition, you know, progress. Um, And then often people will sort of start to feel those negatives, like energy, hunger, cravings, mood, whatever it might be. And so I just straight up will say to people, if we are not really on this, we may as well get off it because you're going to suffer those like energy, hunger, like all those things I just listed. And there's not going to be a trade-off, like a positive trade-off. So if week after week we're enduring those things physically and mentally, and we're not getting the result we want, we're maintaining, we may as well actually focus on maintaining. So, and sometimes you have to really point that out to people like you have attempted this and for whatever reason, it's not working. And it's not about saying to people you've failed, you know, it's just pretty much, this is not optimal for you right now. Maybe there's other things happening in your life, whatever it might be. Like we can't all give a hundred percent all the time. So I think it's really important to show people the facts and say like, we're not giving the required percent right now. So it's not having the outcome we want. There's no point dragging yourself through these weeks and not getting that outcome. If we, if we pull ourselves out of this and just focus on improving those energy training performance, all of those things, and you can just get a good routine going, good habits going, we can just come back to it later on. And I think that's important too, to tell people is it's not like if I, forego fat loss right now I'm giving up on my goals yeah it's simply just saying this isn't right for me right now I'm going to come back to it later on and it's like we said before it's not like if the goal isn't fat loss then what's the point there's so many other things that we can prioritize and focus on and I think it's really like we need to really show people that like people are just so adamant on fat loss being the outcome of good nutrition. And it's like nutrition can be structured in so many ways to achieve so many things. And when you start to learn that, I think that's when people really get that confidence and stuff as well, because it's not like, Oh, I just have to focus on nutrition to diet Mm. for the rest of my life. I can structure my nutrition in so many ways, depending on what I want to work towards and what works for me and my lifestyle right now. So I'm probably getting off topic, but... (laughs) No, absolutely not. Yeah, I would love to know what you would deem a successful maintenance phase because something that I hear quite often is when I'm at maintenance, I feel like I'm not making progress. Like, you know, people might, because it's obviously called maintenance and we're... (laughs) 
we believe that we are just simply going to maintain. We know that you can still make progress in a maintenance phase. The client probably doesn't or anyone out there may be managing this for themselves who is hesitant to put themselves in a maintenance phase probably thinks they're going to go backwards or regress. Um, So what does a successful maintenance phase look like and how do you almost tick that box and, you know, reflect on a weekly basis and say, yep, this has been a good week and I've still made progress. Yeah, that's such a good question. I don't think many people think about that. Um, I think it comes back to making sure that as a coach, we're asking about all those things, like I just said, in terms of energy. So on my check-in, for example, they rate their um, energy, sleep, stress, mood, libido, can't even think what else, hunger, cravings for the week. And I think it's about obviously asking those questions, but then pointing out to people like your energy was here and now it's here. Like this is awesome. The training performance was here and now it's here. Like you are experiencing benefits from this increase in your intake. And like, it's not even a surplus. Like if we put you in a surplus, you could kill it. (laughs) But so I think sometimes you have to like get people comfortable at maintenance first. Um, But yeah, I think it's about making sure the focus isn't only on body composition, which for, a lot of the clients when they come to us, it is like not many people come to you and say, Oh, I want to work on my nutrition to fix my mood and my libido. But when we start to point out to them, like, well, these are things that are affected by your nutrition as well. So simply pursuing fat loss forever is not going to optimize those things at all. So let's assess them as well as body composition every week. So we can really see like, how is your overall lifestyle changing or progressing while we're at maintenance like your weight might have stayed the same and maintained but there is so many things happening and I think pictures are really great during maintenance as well I actually sent one of my girls her pictures this morning it's been about 15 weeks of her at maintenance and she's just young girl gets after it in the gym but busy social life all these things and just had so much going on and I was like let's just give you a few more calories, like let's just take the pressure off the scale or whatever. And then I just pulled her pictures this morning and I was like, would you look at this? Like your weight is exactly the same, but like her hips, her waist, everything had just completely changed shape. Like, and she's so consistent. And I said, this is just you consistently training, consistently ticking those nutrition boxes, but not so much that you won't go out for dinner on the weekends or whatever. So if we simply just looked at weight, you know, you might be like, oh, well, I'm doing nutrition coaching or I'm putting in all this effort with my nutrition and my weight has stayed the same. But then it's like, you're lifting more than you've ever lifted. You're feeling better. You've got a wicked social life and you are actually experiencing body composition changes. Like what a great time. Yeah. What more could you want? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of things that you said there that really hit home. And I think the first one is the fact that we can still see body composition changes at maintenance, which unless you've done it, you're probably a little bit reluctant to believe that because calorie deficit only. (laughs) So I think it is important to reiterate that. And the second part of that is something that we haven't really spoken about yet, um, being training. So I guess like for most of our clients, we kind of uh, label the maintenance phase as just like the training phase. It's like your only homework. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's like your only homework right now is to go into the gym and train like a fucking boss. And if you can do that, then everything else will kind of come together as a byproduct of that. So 
yeah, I guess it's like a performance phase opposed to like yeah, a maintenance phase. Awesome. It's like, you know, it's going to facilitate better outcomes if we can shift the focus. And I think as well, just shifting the focus away from nutrition for a little while can be a really valuable thing to do, especially for someone who's may- maybe been chronically dieting for a long time or being food focused, maybe they've had to diet because they've had to lose a lot of body fat. And if we can kind of get to a point where it's like, you know, just eat at maintenance, do it consistently, but let's focus on how hard you're training and, you know, hitting PBs in the gym and increasing volume and progressing there. If we do yeah. that, your body's going to respond in a positive way anyway without you being hyper-focused on your nutrition as such. Yeah, 100% for sure. And I think that comes back to too, like um, like we were saying, nutrition doesn't always have to be about fat loss. I think we we need to tell people the same about training. You know, we forget that so many people train purely for fat loss. And again, I think that's one of those things where people like us, like when was the last time you went to the gym thinking about losing fat or burning calories? Like it's yeah, the right. Thing yeah, one, 100%. You're training. But you forget that people sort of think, well, I have to diet and I have to go and exercise for fat loss. And then again, when you start setting people other gym-based goals, other training-based goals, you know, we're going to lift a certain weight, we're going to run a certain time, whatever it might be. Again, it can just shift the mindset from like all of these things have to always be about fat loss. Like I think it's such wicked confidence can come from shifting your training focus away from fat loss and starting to focus on PBs in the gym is like so empowering, I reckon, to people that have always seen the gym as a place to burn calories. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely up there with um, the stuff that we see as well. What are some of the things that you see or I guess like when your clients come to you or even just looking at the socials and you're working in a gym so I can imagine you see like a lot of stuff on a day-to-day basis. So when it comes to training, I guess like we've spoken a lot about fat loss, but where do you see people go wrong or the common misconceptions, I guess, around, you know, building your physique, women who want to get stronger, want to build muscle, like what mistakes are they making? Um, I think definitely like a lack of a structured training program for sure. We see people who just find workouts on Instagram or they'll sort of pull bits from, you know, their favorite influences, a bit of that workout, a bit of that workout, um, and just not following something consistently like a structured progressive program, chopping and changing or just, yeah, mixing it up ongoing, just sort of not knowing any better, obviously. Um, and definitely I think a little bit of overkill with exercises as well. Like just seeing so many different exercises, like you see how many workouts a day on Instagram. So people pulling, you know, 15 exercises for a leg workout and, and then not realizing the benefits of just prioritizing the basics. Like we see people not really implementing consistent squats or deadlifts or hip thrusts or whatever, but then like a million you know, booty band exercises and sort of not like realizing the benefit of those big bang for your buck movements, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like that whole more is better type mentality, which, you know, we see a lot as well. Yeah. Do you get any pushback when you're like, Hey, here's your program. And there's, you know, like six exercises on there and they're doing that three times a week. Like, do you get any pushback when the simplicity is presented? 
I get a little bit of pushback of like, what should I do on the other days? Yeah. Yeah. It's like rest day. Can I do cardio and abs? No. Yeah. Or like sometimes I've had people sometimes who maybe I've given a four day program and then they'll be like, can I have a fifth? Can I have a fifth? And they'll really push for it. And I'll eventually be like, okay, here's just maybe like a bit of a full body day or something extra. And then straight away within a week or two, there's missed workouts Mm. in the week. And I'm like, you've left out one of the real key like progressive sessions because you know, you haven't had time or whatever. This is why we only stuck with three or four, because we want to just prioritize those key things. We don't want to have to go in six days for a bunch of random movements. So I think, yeah, I've seen that a lot where people have wanted more, 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 but then it can lead to inconsistency because it's, you know, all well and good to say you're going to train six times a week or whatever, but to do that ongoing, there's always going to be things that come up and then it just creates again, that lack of a structured program being in place. Yeah. I, if we kind of relay that back to the nutrition stuff, it's, it's the same concept being the all or nothing where it's like I go balls to the wall for a little bit, see how long I can do that for until I kind of crash and burn. And then I've got to go retreat and go backwards for a little bit. So it's almost like that same cycle just plays itself out through another component being training. Yeah. Just feeling like more, more, like more is better always. And then eventually you can't always do more. So you hit that wall. And then again, like you said, it becomes almost an all or nothing. Like if I can't do it all, I'll have the week off and start again next week or whatever those typical sayings. Um, But then, and then again, just coming back to that lack of structure and progression on a consistent basis. Yeah. A hundred percent. So if you could give the listeners one piece of advice when it comes to their nutrition that they can, you know, action tomorrow, next week, whenever, what would that be? Um, I would definitely say like get educated, whether that is getting a coach. I think it's so beneficial to have a coach for a while. Like you don't need one forever if you don't like that. You know, some people just have a coach for years because it's just their lifestyle and it suits really well. But I think investing some sort of time, money, energy, whatever it is, into really understanding just so you don't feel like a victim. I think so many people are a victim to nutrition and dieting or feel like a victim. Just having, like we said all along, tried so many things, failed, heard one thing, tried that, heard something else, tried that. And people are just so lost. And I think I always say to my girls, we are going to be eating for the rest of our lives. So you want to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something, yeah, like we, we, invest in professionals for so many other things. I don't think that nutrition should be any different. I think if you can just get that, just a basic understanding, you don't have to become an expert and follow everything 24 seven. But if you can just really understand how it works, you can then just make informed decisions, you know, at a time, like we said before, if you want to knuckle down at times, you can, if you want to loosen the reins at times, you can, but you're doing it from, a choice. It's not a victim who can't get control of their diet. You're just choosing to not have too much control right now or whatever it might be. But I think there's such a difference between feeling in control and like you have choices with your nutrition as opposed to just feeling lost and like a victim. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Something that you said beforehand made me think of like the whole nutrition thing being a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, 
you tell yourself you can't do it and then the strategy that you have almost like puts you in a position where you can't do it because the strategy just doesn't fucking work so then you're like oh but I can't do it and nutrition is hard and it's just this self-fulfilling prophecy where like you said you just feel like a victim um yeah. which is a real shit place to be so I love that advice yeah it's funny like well I shouldn't say funny but when you when you're out of that when you are educated like we said you have like I feel like I have such a relaxed approach to oh, nutrition yeah. and you forget how painful it really can be for people like sometimes again when I read people's startup forms I just think oh my god like you sound like you're struggling so much and I wish you knew that you didn't have to like yeah yeah I can totally yeah. resonate with that well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, even if we did have a couple of hiccups in between and beforehand. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will take a whole heap of value out of this episode. I know that it will definitely resonate with a lot of my clients, your clients. Um, and if we can do that, then that's a job well done. So yeah. tell us where they can find you. Give yourself a plug. Where do you sort of hang out on the socials? Pretty much all just on Instagram. So it's just eat like Ruby. I think it's eat underscore like underscore Ruby. Um, and that's just where I put everything. And that's how people can access me for like coaching and everything as well. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing. Beautiful. Well, if you guys liked the episode, please tag and share to the stories. You can tag at Nat Jurek SCC Fit and at SCC Fit. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next fortnight. <laughs>